Hi, ladies, and welcome back to episode six of the Feminine Domain. Um, we missed a week in there, but we're back.、Um, and today, I am going to talk to you on the topic of three life lessons from Catherine Parr.、Um, so, last week, Tuesday, October the thirty-first, was Reformation Day. The day that we remember Martin Luther's nailing of the 95 Theses to the door of Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany, which marked the start of the Protestant Reformation.、Um, and so at KCCS this year, we decided to do it up a bit more, make it more of a celebratory, memorable event for our students. And we did this in a variety of ways, but one of the main ones was by having the students select one of the reformers to dress up as. And then give a short speech. So students in grades five, six were required to give a speech, and anybody younger than that、um, had the option of giving a speech. So, in helping my daughters to prepare for this event,、um, I was going through the biographies of several godly women, and I came to the name Catherine Parr, and my heart skipped a beat, and I gasped out loud. And let me explain why. So last academic year, twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three, I was teaching medieval history to my grade one two class, and we came to a section, a unit rather, on England, and we were studying King Henry the Eighth. So in case you are not a history buff or not really big on history, let me just tell you that this man was awful. Henry the Eighth of England, awful, and that is not just my opinion. History remembers him this way.、Um, this man had six wives, and the little chant that my students memorized it goes like this: divorced, beheaded, died; divorced, beheaded, survived. That's how you remember his six wives. What happens to them? Okay. Adjectives to describe this man: cruel, moody. Irascible. I learned a new word in describing Henry the Eighth. Didn't know this word before. Irascible, meaning prone to angry outbursts. His last wife is famous for surviving, and was only very briefly described in the history text that I was using last year with my class. However, in the book they did state that his sixth wife. Lovingly tended to the sick and aged old king through the last few painful years of his life. I remember pausing at this point and saying to my class, in light of this lady's loving care for this horrible man, students, she must have been a Christian. There is no way you could love such an unlovable man unless the love of Christ had filled your heart. So fast forward now to this year, and here I am. One year later, preparing for Reformation Day, by going through the book *Radiant* by Richard Hanula, which I highly recommend to all of you, and who is listed as one of the fifty remarkable women in church history? Chapter eighteen: Catherine Parr, Queen of England, and a real follower of Christ. And I could have cried when I read that. Real follower of Christ. I'm tearing up now as I'm saying that.、Um, so, this brings me to the first life lesson that we can learn 
from the life of Catherine Parr before I even tell you ladies anything else about her life. Point number one, Christians are known by their fruit. In Matthew seven twenty, Jesus says, by their fruit, you will know them. Or as my friend Mal, Mrs. Inglis, reminds the students at KCCS often, the fruit shows the root. So before I even knew anything about her, the fruit of this woman's life pointed to Jesus Christ. This sister in Christ was born in 1512, and she died in 1548, which means that she was young when she died, only 36, which is the same age that I am now. And I think this challenged me. Um, She lived, she had as many years as I've had up to now, and it led me to ask some questions of myself. Am I bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, as John the Baptist says in Matthew 3, 8. Are the fruits of the Spirit evident in my life in such a way that my everyday walking around life points to Christ? Galatians 5, 22-23 lists these fruits as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May God make it so. Colossians 1.27 speaks of the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that glory poured out of the cracks in that jar of clay that was Catherine Parr. 2 Corinthians 4.7 says, We have this treasure, meaning Christ, in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So that's the first life lesson before we even get into anything more about her. And um, is is that Christians, and, and for us specifically Christian women, we are meant to be fruitful. By their fruit, you will know them, the scriptures say, Jesus said. Um, And we need to be women who are marked by such a fruitfulness that comes from knowing Christ that the world can see that we are his. Um, Before we get into the next two life lessons that we can glean from Catherine Parr, I need to give you some more biographical information about this lady. So Catherine was 30 years old when she was spotted, noticed, by King Henry VIII, and he set his heart upon marrying her. This was likely a terrifying prospect. I mean, two of his wives had been beheaded previously. However, refusing him was likely just as risky. Um, Historians state that after receiving King Henry's proposal, Catherine asked for time to consider his request and then gave herself to earnest prayer. After seeking the Lord, she concluded that God was in control and had allowed the king to propose to her. Trusting God to be with her, Catherine said yes. And I will make a little sidebar here saying that she was in love with another man at this time as well. So it was quite um, a demonstration of her self-denial to say yes to this. 
Um, King Henry and Catherine were married on July the 12th, 1543, when Catherine was 31. Protestant Christians in England at the time rejoiced because they knew that Catherine was a strong supporter of the Reformation. Her zeal for her faith is clearly expressed in this quote from her spiritual autobiography, which Queen Catherine published for all the world to read. And I quote, Neither life, honor, riches, neither whatsoever I possess here, be it never so dearly beloved of me, but most willingly and gladly, I would leave it to win any man to Christ, of what degree or sort soever he were. And this man she married was of quite a sort, quite a degree, and she certainly did try to win him to Christ. Um, Wherever she could, she encouraged him to believe that salvation is only through the merits of Christ, not through through works or any of the other means being taught by the Catholic Church at the time. You see, while Henry had started the first Protestant church in England in 1534, Um, He only did this because he wanted to to divorce his wife at that time. That was Catherine of Aragon that he was married to. The Pope refused to give Henry permission to divorce his wife at the time. So he started his own church and gave himself permission. Um, Henry did not know the scriptures. And even then when Catherine Parr became queen, the Church of England was still steeped in many unbiblical teachings. In contrast to Henry, Catherine was a student of the scriptures. She knew Greek, Latin, French, and Italian, and studied the word of God thoroughly. She knew both sides of the Protestant-Catholic debate very well, and studied the teachings of Luther and the other reformers. In fact, she even invited Protestant ministers to speak at her court, and held Bible studies in her personal chambers. Some of these activities were considered to be against the laws of England at the time, but King Henry left her alone to pursue her faith as she saw fit, which is testament to his respect for her. In fact, Henry even left Catherine in charge of things in England when he was over in France on one of his military campaigns. Richard Hanula says that while King Henry was away, Catherine worked closely with the King's Privy Council and Mr. Thomas Cranmer, the Archbishop of Canterbury, who was one of the reformers. She kept things in such a state of order that Henry respected and loved her all the more upon his return. Catherine Parr's self-proclaimed mission in life was to study two things. One, the scriptures, and two, her husband's moods. She cared for the king in his many sufferings and ailments, and he loved and trusted her like no other. So from this little biographical account, we get to our second point, our second life lesson from Catherine Parr. She was a woman of right priorities. Okay, her first priority was God. And if you're not convinced that Christ was number one in her heart, Listen to the words of her favorite prayer from one of her prayer books. And I quote, Lord Jesus, I pray you would give me the grace to rest in you above all things and to make me prefer you above all creatures, above all glory and honor, above all dignity and power, 
above all health and beauty, above all riches and treasure, above all joy and pleasure, above all fame and praise. End quote. So Catherine Parr loved her Lord above all else. She used every opportunity to share the truth of Christ and is known for leading Lady Jane Grey to Christ, as well as for petitioning her husband on behalf of her friend Anne Askew. So ladies, whatever season of life we find ourselves in, if we're single or married, if we're in a time of mourning or rejoicing, we can learn from Catherine Parr to be women whose number one priority is God. We also see her right priorities in what came second. So she had God first, number one, and her husband, yes, even that awful, horrible man, her husband was her second priority. Um, I found this very convicting. If she could so love and serve this wicked man, how much more should I be loving and serving the man that God has given to me? Ladies, those of us who are married, those of you listening who are married, and myself, because I am, have all married sinners. There's no such thing as a perfect husband because there's no such thing as a perfect human, man or woman. And Catherine's story brought to my remembrance um, the verses in 1 Peter 3, 1 to 2. It says, Wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Martha Peace, in her book, The Excellent Wife, correctly says of this passage of scripture, that a husband who is disobedient to the word is an unbeliever in this particular context, and that when a Christian woman is married to an unbeliever, her responsibility is to live a godly life and respond to her husband with respect. Her attitude should be one of being for him, not against him. She should enjoy him and love him, thinking of him as her husband and the father of her children, not as her enemy. She should not expect him to think or act like a Christian, nor should she be devastated if he has no interest in church or in Bible studies. She can enjoy her husband and their relationship and still be all that God intends for her to be. End quote. Don't we just see this so beautifully in Catherine Parr's life? And how much more should this be true of us who are married to Christian men who are not only our husbands, but also our brothers in Christ, fellow laborers in the gospel? We don't actually know from history the final state of King Henry VIII's soul when he died in 1547, but one of my students did a speech as Thomas Kramer this last week, past this past week, um, and he informed me that King Henry, on his deathbed, actually requested the presence of Thomas Cranmer, the Archbishop of Canterbury. So who knows? Maybe Catherine's devotion to Christ, coupled with her chaste, respectful behavior towards her husband, actually won him over in the end. Only God knows. But regardless, we can learn from Catherine Parr 
to be women of right priorities. And then thirdly, the third lesson we can learn is that Christian women use their minds. Catherine was studious, intelligent, and wise. She knew four languages. She knew the scriptures. She knew the various theological arguments of her day and sought out the truth. While Catherine prioritized her husband and honored God by the way that she loved him, Catherine did not follow in his foolish ways. She kept applying her mind to studying the truth and walking in it. She did everything she could to make the word of God accessible to people in England. Catherine believed it was wrong that the anti-Protestant rulers wanted to restrict the scripture's use to the clergy and the ruling class. So she arranged for biblical paraphrases of a man named Erasmus to be translated into English so that every Englishman and every woman could read it. And in some Christian circles, there's been an attempt in recent times to really emphasize the value of a woman's role in the home. And this is necessary. We live in a culture that is continually undermining a woman's role in the home. But in some circles, there has been a bit of an overcorrection of sorts, with certain Christians minimizing the importance of education for women, for girls and women. And this is a mistake. Um, In Psalm 144, verse 12, the psalmist prays that our daughters would be like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. And they must have sharp, strong minds to bear this kind of weight. Catherine Parr, in her short time as King Henry's wife, only four years, used her strong mind to effect change in countless areas and lives. She poured so much time into Henry's three children, Mary, Edward, and Elizabeth. Um, She taught them the scriptures. She had them do various copying out exercises. She also poured into Anna Skew and Lady Jane Grey, who I mentioned earlier, both young women who died as martyrs for Christ. Um, She managed his kingdom in his absence. She worked to get the scriptures into the hands of the common people. None of these things would have been accomplished if Catherine had not been a learned woman, a woman who read books and a woman of the book, a woman of the Bible. So in conclusion, ladies, let us seek to follow the godly example of women like Catherine Parr. Let us ask for God's help to be fruitful women with right priorities who use the minds that God has given us for his glory. I'm going to close with the lyrics um, to the last verse of O Church Arise by Keith and Kristen Getty, which came to my mind as I contemplated Catherine Parr's life. So spirit come, put strength in every stride, give grace for every hurdle that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. As saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of his grace, we hear their calls and hunger for the day when with Christ we stand in glory. Until next time, ladies, God bless you. 